Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Who loves Christmas? Anybody love Christmas? Oh, I love Christmas. I love Christmas, obviously, because if you're a pastor, it's like, you know, Christmas and Easter, it's like the Super Bowl, right? I mean, all you guys come, people I hadn't seen in a long time come, and people I saw last Easter come, and so it's just, it's amazing, and uh, I love Christmas, but even outside of just what we're experiencing today, uh, I love everything about it. I love Christmas lights. Anybody love Christmas lights? Who's been to Lights Under Louisville? Oh, y'all are missing out. I'm not from Louisville, so I've experienced all of the Louisville stuff. Um, but lights under Louisville, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas food. I mean, all of it, every bit of it. I, I enjoy, I love Starbucks Christmas cups. We got any, who, who got a red cup the day before Thanksgiving? I see you in the back. I love peppermint milkshakes from Chick-fil-A, everybody. I am so sad when January comes around and they go. Um, it's just fun. I love traveling and seeing family and it's a, it's a great time, and we also love Christmas music in our house. Um, it's, Jen, you heard her. Yeah, we do. We've been dance partying all week. Last night, Samuel was uh, dance partying to his favorite Christmas song, uh, Run Run Rudolph. Do we have it back there? Can you give me, it's a little out of order there, but uh, this was Samuel's dance party song all week long. Come on. Anybody know this? This is not it, but this is fine. Come on, if you know it. This has like gotta be like number 15 on the chart of all time. You guys are weak right now. There we go. I promise we're not a cult or anything. I'm making you sing. No. Uh, I love all Christmas songs. There's two groups of people. Just a minute ago, um, one of you in the room, you probably thought, I'm not starting Christmas music till Christmas Eve. Why did you do that to me? I've uh, been avoiding it. There's others of you in the room, you love Christmas music so much, you started in January. And uh, my house, we don't actually stop, right? I think it's like, is it December to January? She gives it till March. But March, for sure, where's all my March people at? Like March, Christmas music is back. You are friends. Uh, get, give me another Christmas song back there. Let's see if you know this one. Come on. If this doesn't do something to your soul right now. Can I get a fireplace on the LED wall behind me? This just puts you in the Christmas mood. Oh. All right, brighten it up for me, one more. Here it is. Oh yeah. Okay, that's enough. But Christmas music, it's a big part of our family. Um, in fact, Samuel, when he was born, so I have a five-year-old named Samuel, and uh, he was kind of a colicky baby, and there was never a silent night in our house. Any parents out there, you're like, that was my child. I mean, he just screamed all night long, and so we thought, well, we've got something masterful that's gonna fix this. Um, we are going to prophetically declare silent nights by playing silent night over him. So we found the best version of Silent Night that's ever existed, and it was a game changer. In fact, it's such a game changer 
that uh, the daycare would call us uh, <laughs> during the day when he couldn't sleep. And they would say, hey, will you come pick him up? Because they knew that we could get him in the car and we could drive down the road and we could turn this song on right here. And it would put him out every time. I mean, in some ways this gives me a little PTSD thinking about it, but it's <laughs> just saying, listen to it. I could see his eyes, they would start getting heavy, just dozing. This is a good part right here. It did the trick every time. Eighteen eighteen, Franz Gobert composed this with Pastor Jonathan Joseph Moore. Jonathan or Joseph? Joseph Moore. And uh, Father Joseph and Franz Gobert, they wrote and composed this song, and little did they know it would weave its way into the Christmas fabric. For generations, we would sing this song. And I think it's fascinating because as it's weaved its way into the Christmas fabric, it's weaved its way into tradition, into the church as we talk about the birth of Jesus, as we sing Silent Night in many of our churches, especially uh, at the end, which is what we'll do today with those candles, by the way. But if you think about the song Silent Night and you think about what it represented, it represented so much more than just a silent night. In fact, the night Jesus was born, it was probably anything but silent, but there was probably a little chaos in that stable. But rep what it represented is an interruption, an interruption of 400 years of silent nights. In fact, if you have a Bible, your Bible is divided into two parts. You've got the Old Testament, and then you've got the New Testament. And as we close out the Old Testament, you see the book of Malachi, four simple chapters. And the book of Malachi would end, and then there would be a page turn. In some Bibles, maybe you have a blank page, but in mine, you've got just a turn. And then Matthew would begin. But you've got to slow down and understand what was happening here. See, it's more than just a page turn, but this page represented a lot. This page represented 400 years of silence. 400 years where God was not speaking, there was no prophets writing. 400 years and God went silent. What was God doing during the 400 years? Was he mad <laughs> at everybody and just waiting until he got over it? Did he have something up his sleeves? What was the perfect time he was writing for? I mean, it's just a, it's just a great question, I think. What was God doing during the page turn? What was he doing in the silence? And I think it's a great question because I think that if I were to go around the room and I were to kind of start here and work my way over here, all of us have probably had a silent night or two. Maybe you're in here today and you're walking through a silent night. Maybe it's not a silent night, but maybe it's a silent month or a silent year or maybe a silent decade or your life has felt silent. In fact, if you can answer yes to any of these next four questions, I think just maybe, just maybe, that you might be here for a reason today and that God has perfectly positioned you to hear this message. But question number one is this, has, 
Has God ever seemed silent to you? Like you know he's there, but you wonder, does he care? He seems distant, he seems absent, he seems far off. Has he ever seemed, has he ever seemed silent to you? Or has it ever seemed like God took 400 years to answer your prayers? Or maybe you felt this, right? Have you ever felt like God was answering other people's prayers, but yours he was silent about? Has God's silence ever caused you to wonder, is there even a God? I think these are fair questions. And I think these are questions that probably at all of our lives at some point we've asked ourselves. God, why are you silent? God, are you there? God, do you care? God, why is everybody else's prayers getting answered and here I am waiting for my prayer to get answered and for some of us it may have left you in a state where you wonder, is God even there? Not only does he care, but is he even real? Over the last two years, we've seen a lot of people deconstruct their faith. And for them, maybe they concluded because God seemed silent that God was not there and that God did not care and this was just kind of made up. Maybe you walked in here today and that's your story. You're giving God a chance, but he has seemed rather silent to you. And so the question is, as we look at this 400 years, as we look at the turn of the page and not only the turn of the page, but as we look at your life and maybe the silence that you're walking through, there's a couple questions I think that we can ask this morning. And I wanna ask two questions, and the first is this. What is God doing, or what was God doing in the silence? What was he doing in those 400 years? Not only what was God doing in the silence, but, but what do you do when, when God is silent in your life? There's been moments in all of our lives where I'm sure you've wondered, God, are you there? God, do you care? And if you're there today, and you've walked in today, and you feel like that's exactly where I am, I wanna give you the bottom line of where we're going today. And I wanna just declare over you a simple truth, and it's this, never confuse God's silence with God's absence. He may seem silent to you, but he's not absent. You may feel like he's taking 400 years, but he's not absent. He is there, he cares. I wanna say this, and I hope you let this just sink in. I know this is a different Christmas message, but may, may, may the next few words sink in. If you're in a silent place, you're not alone. We've all walked through it. You're not alone. You could stretch your hand in any direction and somebody around you is like, yeah, I've been there. You're not a spiritual failure. I think the enemy in the moments of silence wants us to think like, you've done something wrong. You failed God, so he's not listening. You're not a spiritual failure. He's not ignoring you. He's not neglecting you. He's not forgotten you. 
If there's anything that Christmas is a reminder of, it's that he loves you. As we look at the book of Malachi, and as he closes out act number one, and the curtain is about to close and act two is about to open up with Jesus stepping on the scene, Malachi speaks the word of the Lord. And in Malachi chapter one, he gives a theme verse that is overarching for the entire book that I think is overarching for the entire Bible and I think is for you today. In Malachi, he says this, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you. That verse is better said, commentators say this way to get a, get a full understanding, is I have loved you, I do love you, and I will always love you. Right before 400 years of silence, God reminds the people whom he loves, I've always loved you. In the silence, it's so easy to think that God is mad at you and that he's displeased with you. But in the silence today, if you're walking through a silent night, may you know he has always loved you. He does love you and he will always love you. He loves you, period. So 400 years of silence would take place. It's known as an intertestamental period. Two testaments, intertestamental period. In this intertestamental period, there was a lot going on. And you can do a quick Google search and your history will pull up. Because we don't have a lot here, right? We have a page turn, but we don't know what was happening. But the good news is history tells us what was happening. There's a couple things that happened during those 400 years that I think were huge. And I think are just a sweet reminder that God is with us and that God loves us and that God is in control. And he really does move on behalf of people and through people. And he really does hold the whole world in his palm. The year was 360 BC. And there was a shift in power from Babylon to the Persians, and there was a ruler by the name of Philip of Macedonia. What you have to know about this ruler, Philip of Macedonia, is you may not know him, but you may know his son. His son was Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great would go on to conquer uh, the known parts of the world in that day. As you read about Alexander the Great, you'll see that Many described him as one of the most brilliant military strategists of his day. He lived for 33 years, and at the end of his life, history books record that he declares this statement, and the statement that he declares is this, I am depressed because I have no more worlds to conquer. He had conquered what seemed to be them all. And while he was on his conquests and while he was conquering worlds and taking territory, Alexander the Great had a simple idea and it was that there would be a common language in all the world that he would conquer. So he began to 
changed the dialect of the known world at that time and a new language would emerge. And when you look at your Bible, you see two parts, the Old Testament written in Hebrew and the New Testament written in Greek. If you have a Bible and you've ever heard the Christmas story, if you have a Bible and you've ever opened up the gospels, it was written in Greek. And so Alexander the Great, he would be instrumental in a new common language being established. Years and years would go by from Alexander the Great and there would be a new shift in power and the shift in power would be that of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire would take the stage and they would establish what is known as Pax Romana. During the season of Pax Romana, there would be 200 years of military peace. 200 years of peace would take place. And during those 200 years, significant advancements would happen. One of the most significant advancements would take place not in arts and not in education, but in a road system. If you read the history books, you might be familiar with the phrase that was so eloquently put, all roads lead to where? Rome. 50,000 miles of road systems were built during that time. Later on in Acts chapter one, as Paul and other missionaries would take their journey into the uttermost parts of the earth, history says that there could have been up to 255,000 miles worth of roads that were built. So why is this important and what was God doing and where are you going with all this history and are you just making this up? There's three very important things that happen. You have a common language. You have a Roman peace, Pax Romana, and then you have an improved transportation system. And so think about it. The Old Testament would close, the curtain would draw, and the stage would begin to be reset. And there would be silence. But just because God seemed silent didn't mean he was absent. See, while God's people were waiting, God was working. See, as Daniel says, the most high God is sovereign and he rules over the kingdom of men and he gives to anyone he wishes and he holds the rulers in the palm of his hand. And so God does move through people. He does know the beginning from the end. He knows how people are going to be leading and operating and the things in which they would be doing. And so there was a season that seemed like waiting, but in the season while God's people were waiting, oh, he was working. The curtain would open up. And the apostle Paul in the book of Galatians would tell his version of the Christmas story and the curtain would open up in Galatians chapter four. And it says, for the set time when it had fully come, God sent his son. As the curtain opened up, we see Matthew take the stage. And in chapter one, the angel Gabriel said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And to the whole world, he was saying, God hasn't gone anywhere. He is with us and he is Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel. So Jesus shows up. He'd live a perfect, sinless life, be nailed to the cross, 
he would die for your sin and my sin, that sin that separated us from him. He would go to a cross and then ultimately be laid in a tomb. We know the Easter story. Three days later would arise. And he would commission a group of people called his disciples to go. We know it as the Great Commission to go into all the world preaching and teaching and baptizing. In Acts chapter one, it would talk about a power that would come upon them. They would be able to spread their message to Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And what's so amazing is while God seemed silent, there was so much going on. And so, and the disciples were commissioned to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's pretty cool, huh? There was a common language. There was an improved road system. So much more took place, but you know, I can't help but to think as I think about those 400 years I can't help but to think this, if God can be trusted with 400 years of silent nights, I think this Christmas, may it be a reminder that he can be trusted with your silent night as well. Your silent decade. A few weeks that you've had that have felt silent in your marriage. the silence that you felt in your job. Am I ever gonna get that promotion? The silence you felt in your season of singleness. Season of singleness, right? Am I ever gonna get a husband? Am I ever gonna get a wife? And you're like, I'm so sick of the silence. The silence you felt wondering, will your business ever take off again after COVID? I don't know what your silent night looks like, but I do know he can be trusted with it. What do you do? What, what do you do when God seems silent? Now, I almost didn't deliver this message today because when I got to this part, I just thought, I don't know. I, I wanted to give you like three steps. Like when he's silent, do this, do this, and do this, and like, it'll all be good. But I don't know. I don't really know what to do in the silence other than don't quit. If there's anything I know, it's just that. Don't, don't, don't bail. See, God will never bail on you, but so easily we bail on him. He's not there and he doesn't care. And so I guess he's just, I'll walk out. May you feel this next statement that when you hear God's silence, and you feel his absence, may you learn to just trust his presence. When you feel like God is distant, you feel like he's a long ways off and when you feel like your season is never gonna have light again. Man, may you trust his presence. 
the Old Testament writers said it this way, about a God that you can trust in. He said this about our God, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I know you may have walked in here discouraged. I know you're fearful about the economy and its downturn. I know you're fearful about will you and your husband ever have the marriage that you so desperately once had and that you want to see happen again. I know you may be discouraged about going home for the holidays and having to see that person again. God is with you. You can trust him. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He's not mad at you. You're not a spiritual failure. He's not forgotten you. He's not given up on you. He has always loved you. He does love you. And he always will love you. So what do you do? I don't know. Trust his presence. Grow in patience. Enlarge your trust. Draw close to him. Wait in expectation and faith. Think if you can do those things. I can't promise you your silent night will end tomorrow. But I can promise you a peace in the middle of it. You may never get to experience the miracle if you bail. And so I I think I'm talking to somebody today that maybe is on the verge of tapping out. I just feel, I I didn't say that last service, I just feel in this room, like somebody's on the verge of just like tapping out. I'm not saying like, you know, you're wanting to go kind of like end it. I just say you're wanting to walk out on God. I just feel like there's someone in here today, I don't know who you are. You walked in and you just, you were like, I'm giving him a shot today, but I'm, he's failed me. He's not there. And God sent me today with a reminder to you that he loves you. That just because he may seem absent, he's not. He's not. He's there and he's working. Don't quit. I think that's why the writer in Isaiah, as he's talking about the goodness of God, declared this, since ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God beside you. Who acts? Who acts on what? Behalf of those that wait for him. If you're in a silent night, please keep waiting. Don't quit. Don't bail. God is here. He is Emmanuel. God with you. He's with you. For some of you, you're here this Christmas and 
Your story maybe isn't as much um, you waiting on God, but maybe your story is a God that's been waiting on you. That you've been far from him. You, you haven't cared. And today you walked in and you're like, I don't know, I'll give it a shot. And you feel and you felt during this whole service that there's been like this knocking in your heart. There's been like this, like this draw. It is his love that is drawing you. The Bible says it's his loving kindness that draws us all into repentance. That draw that you're feeling, that knock on your heart, it's Jesus. Maybe you haven't been waiting on him, but he's been waiting on you. He's been so patient. Second Peter 3, 9 says this. It says, the Lord is not slow. He's not slow in keeping his promises. Some of us understand slowness instead he's patient. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So what if the God that you didn't know you were waiting on has been waiting on you? This Christmas, man, can I introduce you to a God that loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus at the right time for you, for you. He's not just the God that has a love for the people that have it all together. He's a God that loves the broken. He's a God that loves the messed up. He's a God that loves those that don't love him. And he has been patient with you. But this is your moment. Today's your day. What if, what if today you decided, you know what? I'll put my trust and my faith in a God who's been patiently waiting for me. I'll give my life to him. The Bible says that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's really easy to give your life to Christ. It's really as simple as just confessing, Jesus, I need you. I repent of all my sin. What is sin? Sin is just, doesn't mean you're a bad person. We've all sinned. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short or fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that sin just simply means we miss the mark. It's an archery term. Like your life was heading in this direction and it's just, it was the wrong way. And so when you, you know, you, you repent, you're, you're ultimately doing like this 180 and you're putting your life in, into his direction. Saying, God, I, I repent from kind of doing life this way and I turn in your direction and I give you all of me. And here's the promise found in John chapter 10, verse number 10. The Bible says this, that there's a thief, it's Satan, our enemy, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'd love nothing more than for you to have a season of silent nights. But there is a God 
who came to give you life and life to the full, to make you fully alive. And so he robed himself in flesh. He took on the form of man. And Jesus became our Savior. And he's here for you today. With nobody looking around, two groups of people I want to talk to. If you would, would you just bow your heads all over the room? Would you close your eyes? First group that I want to talk to is those of you that are in here that you know God has been waiting on me. And today, I'm ready to receive the gift of making him my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to spend my life with him. If that's you and you're in this room, I just want to encourage you, like, this is not going to be a weird moment. We're not going to bring you to the front. We're not going to make you stand up, call you out. But we do want to take a moment for you to just draw a line in the sand and say, God, I give you all of me for all of you. And if that's you today and you say, you know what? He's been waiting on me. Today I'm giving him my life. And nobody looking around I think the simplest thing you could do today is a line in the sand is slip up a hand and as you slip it up, call on the name of the Lord. Just say, Jesus. And so if today you're like, that's me. I need to give my life to him. Nobody looking around. Why don't you just slip up a hand? And as you do, just say, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. It's another group of people in this room that I want to pray for. Specifically, and it's those that have been in a silent night. If you feel like you've been walking through a season of silent nights, and nobody looking around, you're like, I need Jesus. I need his peace and his presence today. I want to pray for you. Nobody looking around. If that's you and you've been walking through some silent nights, can I just know who I'm praying with? Can you slip up a hand? I'd just love to pray with you. Wow. Wow. Thank you, guys. I get it. I get it. When you hear a silence, though, and you feel his absence, and may you grow to trust his presence. Father, I declare over every hand raised that they would feel it in their soul, that your word would be living and active, that it would be sharper than any double-edged sword. It would pierce through to the places it needs to go to. And your word that says, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am with you. May it sink in. May they walk out of here. May you walk out of here today knowing that he is Emmanuel. God with you. 
in your silent night. He's with you. He's with you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for our church. I pray in every silent night that they may experience in their life or maybe the silent night that they're experiencing right now. God, that you would give them staying power, that their eyes would be focused on you. And in those silent nights, may they grow in trust. May they grow in dependence. May they grow in expectation and faith of knowing that they serve a God that is right there with them. And in every silent night, may we always be reminded that you are Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.